Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you have ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Megan Brimhall. She is my cousin. And Megan, I'm going to call you the original black sheep of the family because (laughs) (laughs) we we grew up in a family where divorce was, I felt like not acceptable. (laughs) It just, we, we have a huge family and no one really went through divorce until you. So I appreciate you being willing to open up about your story today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, we come, we come from a long line of love, right? That's um, kind of our family motto. <laughs> our little family motto. And uh, it was. I was the first of many uh, to get a divorce. We did have, I, you know, we did have a cousin marry someone who had been divorced, but I was the first family member to go through a divorce. Um, very interesting. Yeah. So, Megan, and, when you were growing up, how did you picture your life? What were some of your hopes and dreams? You know, I, I was, it was kind of weird, and I don't know if I knew that my life was not going to be the typical you are going to get married when you're 22 years old and have beautiful kids. I don't know if because the deep down inside I knew that just wasn't my life mm-hmm. that I didn't ever have those dreams but I did always imagine going you know going through high school and graduating and going away to college and you know one day meeting somebody and settling down uh, but I didn't ever have this just big fantasy of marrying Prince Charming and having the white picket fence as I hear you explain like that was your that was your dream like yeah. for me I think it was always just a little clouded I, my dream was clouded I wasn't quite sure if I was coming or going yeah um, I think that I my mean, dream you know we both grew up in Utah in Mormon households and so I, I think I had probably the more typical white picket fence dream and it was a, right. it's a little more unique to hear you say oh that wasn't necessarily that important to me Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it, it really, it was important, but I feel like just deep down, I always knew that that wasn't my, that wasn't my path. That was not something that I was going to, I wasn't going to follow in that stereotypical footstep yeah. per se, yeah. because you, you know, you kind of know when your life is different, you just kind of know that your life is different. And I feel like I kind of felt that way from a very early age. And I, what, whether, you know, I don't know why I felt that way yeah, or not. But in your gut. It was in my gut. Yeah. So <laughs> your first husband, Jake, uh, you guys mm-hmm. dated pretty young. How did that we did. come about? We did. Um so we actually, you know, he was kind of the boy next door. We grew up together. We were in the same um, same ward when we were younger, and we really didn't get along. I mean, we were just <laughs> younger. You know, we didn't 
we weren't friends, and he never went to the same schools as we did. He stayed where he had been going before he'd moved into the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd see each other, you know, Sundays and, and weekends and things like that. But um, we hated each other. And, I mean, that's probably one of the red flags I should have paid more <laughs> attention to as we um, entered into high school and began dating. But we he had actually – he had dated – one of my friends on on one of my basketball teams, and I dated um, a friend of his that was on his football team. And this sounds so stupid, but my boyfriend at the time and his girlfriend at the time actually cheated on on both of us with each other. Really? And that's how we kind of started talking was we were just both kind of like, what the crap, you know? You bonded over that. Yeah, and we bonded, and... And to be honest, I just still kind of hated him, <laughs> you know, but it's something, you know, I I was never the kind of girl who um, myself, who had the self-esteem to realize this is, you're not being treated correctly, you're not being treated the way that you should be treated, and it stemmed clear back from as early as I can remember being in elementary and having a boy send me a little note if I'd be his girlfriend, and then the next day denying that he even did it because somebody made fun of him, you know, and so at that point I was just like, oh, I'm not good enough. And But where do you, you know, think, then, where do you think that came from? Because, I mean, you have, you have loving parents, it seems like, right. you, you know, you grew up in this, quote, idealistic families. Where do you think that uh-huh. piece of you came from? I don't know, and I wish I knew. It's probably something that I should go to therapy over to try to find, like, the root of that problem, um, because quite honestly, there's still times in my life, and I'm in a really good place now, And uh, but there are times in my life where I still feel completely inadequate, and especially being married to the man I'm married to now, there are definitely times where I feel so inadequate to be married to somebody as great as him, <laughs> and um, uh, so I don't know where that stems from, because I did. Uh, my parents were amazing. They were so great. I never went without anything. I never was, you know, I was never degraded. I was never told that I wasn't good enough. If I wanted to try out for the basketball team, they encouraged me to go try out for the basketball team. I mean, I could have wanted to go and try out for water polo, and they would have been like, you don't know how to swim, but go do it. You know what I mean? Right, like, we're going to support they, you. We'll support you, and they were very supportive, and and they supported me through my good decisions and my bad decisions, and so I wish I knew where that insecurity stemmed from. I've literally tried to, like, write down the, you know, like the earliest memory I have of maybe being rejected, and, you know, there was one time in elementary school, and it just kind of spiraled into... I, you know, I would fall for these men that just, I had to fix them. You yes. know? <laughs> Which, was... you know, regardless of your past, my past, most women, for whatever reason, it's like in our <laughs> nature, maybe it's just like that motherly instinct where you do want to fix someone. I don't right. know what that is about, but I, but that's super common. So mm-hmm. was Jake like the bad boy? Is that something that attracted you to him? You know, he really struggled in school. Um, Mm -hmm. He was, uh, and not that he wasn't smart enough. It was that he was more, 
into the social aspect of school than the academic side of it. And so he would slough and he would, he didn't care if he was passing. And so for me, I felt like, well, I'm going to help you get through school and we're going to, you know, and, and I feel like, yes, that the bad boy part was interesting and it was always different. And there were just, it was a challenge. And for some reason I enjoyed those painful challenges and I don't really know why. (laughs) Well, and also Um, you bring up, you know, you wanted to help him. So even if it was, you know, helping him in school, there's a sense of worth there. Right. Absolutely. You feel like you're like your good deeds are going noticed and that you're not sitting. Yeah, you're needed. And I feel like, you know, and I had a, I had a pretty decent job in high school. Um, you know, I was blessed to work for a, a family friends company that paid very well. You know, my other friends are making $7 an hour, and I think I was making 12 which you look at that now, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. but at but the time. When you're in high school, a $12 an hour job was a lot of money, and, and Jake didn't work. Um, and so financially he needed me, and I feel like that made me important. Sure. And now I'm like, wait a minute, like... <laughs> Maybe that's not how it should have been. (laughs) What does that say? Yes. Um, So you guys start dating in high school, and how did your relationship progress? You know, we so we started dating. um, We broke up a couple of times, and um, you know, I he it was weird because I feel like both of us knew that our relationship was going to end in a trial Um, Mm. deep down. We kind of knew. And when you're young and you're stupid and you're doing things that 17-year-olds shouldn't be doing, um, you know, you kind of in the back of your mind, you're like, we should probably stop this before it turns into something that's going to change our lives. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't. We we didn't end that relationship. and it did lead to a teenage pregnancy. I was six weeks into my senior year and found out that I was pregnant with my oldest son, Carter. And I think about that quite a bit um, right now as Carter is entering his senior year and I see the young man that he is and the decisions that he has made. And I just can't help but think, like, man, what a good kid. You know, like, how did two stupid 17-year-olds make such a great kid that is just making completely different choices than we did at that age. Um, But, you know, just like I said, it was our relationship progressed as as teenagers, and we knew it was wrong, but you're young and you're dumb, and you think you know everything, and you think you're invincible. Yes. So did you feel like that... that that's not going to happen to us. I'm yeah, not going to get pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my mom was a teen mom. Um, we talked a lot about teenage pregnancies. I knew that I was very capable of becoming a teen mom because I knew what that took. You knew from but, your mom. You knew firsthand. You knew more than you probably had more conversations about that. I would think than even most mother daughters absolutely absolutely because she didn't want me to go through the same things that she went through and I just had that mindset that it won't happen like it's not going to happen to me and it did and 
you know, it's weird because I had the mindset that it's not going to happen to me, but I honestly, in the back of my mind, I knew it would. I, there, I, I was a smart girl. It wasn't sure. like I was, you know, I was, I, but I knew it would. I always, like I said, I had this clouded vision of where my life would be. And I think it was because I knew that that was going to happen, you know, like whether I ever admitted it or not, I just had that gut feeling mother's intuition, I guess, at at, at 16, 17 years old, that that was just something that was just where my life was going to go. Was there any part of you that saw your mom? Because, yeah, your mom was a teenage mom, but then she ended up meeting your dad and life kind Mm -hmm. of worked out maybe even better than it typically does for a lot of teenage moms. Did you Mm -hmm. look at her and say like, eh, like, I know that's not ideal, but even if that happens, it's going to be a okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my father, my dad, he is an amazing man. And at the age of, you know, 17, 18 years old decided that, you know, he was going to take on someone else's child and raise it as his own. And they got married right out of high school. I mean, they are, yeah. you know, they're the exception that that, work, that works for them. Um, but my mom also made the decision to not stay with a, a man that wasn't good for her, a man right. that wasn't good for her baby. And she made that decision. And, um, and that's and that's why that worked out the way that it did for my mom, um, but I always knew that I would have a support system. That if that did happen, I would be okay. I, I you know the baby would be okay, and and I wouldn't really have to worry about making that decision. Well, do I give the baby up for adoption? Do I keep it? You know. Yeah. And and I think just knowing that in the back of your mind, I'm not that you plan that. Nobody plans a teenage pregnancy, but it's like well, I don't want this to happen. But if it does, I'll be okay. You exactly. know. And that's just the stupid teenage you know, thinking. That's just a, that's just a seventeen year old. I've got life figured out. Mm-hmm. Um. So you're a senior in high school, you find out you're Mm -hmm. pregnant, and did you immediately decide, okay, we're going to get married, or what did that look like? No. So, and here's what's funny, you know, parents, uh, and I know this now that I am a mom, you know when your kids are lying, you know when they're in trouble, you know if something's wrong and they're not even at your house, you just have this gut feeling something's wrong. And, and my mom, one day we were, I just, I remember, I remember exactly where we were at. Um, I'm standing outside of the hallway getting ready to head into the bathroom. And she goes, did you ever start your period? And I was like, yeah, I did. And I knew already that I was pregnant. Um, I, you know, I had taken a pregnancy test maybe two days before that. Mm. And my brother was getting married and I didn't want to ruin his wedding. (laughs) And so I didn't want to tell anybody that I was pregnant until after the wedding. You know, anyway, but this was still weeks before my brother's wedding was supposed to happen. And so I lied and I said, yeah, I did. And, um, and then just for the next couple of days, it just ate me. And I'm like, she knows. She knows. Yeah. <laughs> and I just caught her in the in the kitchen a couple of days later, and I just said, you remember how you asked me that? And she goes, yeah. And I said, I, you know, I didn't. I didn't. And that's all I had to say. And we just, we oh. both just cried, and she hugged me, and, and, and she was, she never yelled at me, <laughs> you know, yeah. but... 
I could feel her heart just break. Because she'd been there. For me, yeah. And it, it, it was... It broke for me because she knew what I was about to face. I didn't know what I was about to face, but she did. And I think, in a way, she felt that she had failed me because she'd warned me and she'd warned me, and still this happened to me. And, you know, and, and that's, it was never, I would never put any blame on my parents, no. ever, because they, they did. They warned me, but I was young and dumb and I thought I knew better and I thought that I was invincible. But, it it works out, you know. It it works out. So to go back to the question, um, it was never marriage was not an option at that time. I was seventeen, and my parents did not support a marriage. Um, you know, obviously they said once you're eighteen, that's that's your choice. But they did not. They were not going to sign anything and allow me to get married under age. And I fought that for a minute because he fought that, and he really his family wanted us to get married, and and my family didn't, and I, you know, and and I really wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do, um, to make but, him happy, you know, or to make to make him happy. Um, he was very, you know, he was young, and he was kind of in a controlling mindset at that time, and I was afraid, you know, I was afraid to tell him no, and I was afraid, you know, and it was just well, again, my I think, insecurities because yeah. I didn't know how to make a decision that would be best for me, yes. um, and I was always afraid to make decisions that would hurt other people. Um, so, but, so no, you know, I did not, you know, did never really plan to get married right away. I had the baby in May. I actually think it's ironic because I believe I had my baby like when you got married. It was <laughs> your the wedding. day before I got married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being in the hospital because I, be, I and missing your wedding because I was in the hospital yes. having a baby. Um, so I, I had Carter in May and we got married that August. So Carter was just three months old. Oh, also, I got married in May, graduated high school in June, and then got married in August. So um, we were, again, this, my parents did not support this marriage, but they supported, you know, they supported me, and they were going to put on a brave face. And yes, this they is your were, decision. This is my you. decision. And, I mean, as we're getting ready to, my dad's getting ready to walk me down the aisle, and he just says, you don't have to do this. We can just have a party. I'll go up there and take the heat. Everybody's wow. here. Wow. You know, and and I knew, I knew that I shouldn't be getting married. I knew that there were, you know, that my life was going to be okay if I didn't do it. But I, I was so young and just thought that I was doing the right thing. I thought I was doing what was best for my son. I thought I was doing what was best for my son's dad and I to, to even stand a chance. And I didn't know better, you know. And mm-hmm. and you didn't now, know what the alternative looked like, right? Exactly. I had no clue what the alternative looked like. And I didn't, when you're 18, you think that you can be an adult, but the reality is, is there is a lot that goes into being an adult other than just your parents not being in your home, you know. And so exactly. we really struggled to grow up because we were, we were doing things that 
you know, 25-year-olds should be doing. And we were, you know, just felt like we were playing house. And it just wasn't, it never felt real. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Even, you know, I didn't have the teenage pregnancy, but I got married at 21. And we hadn't mm-hmm. known each other very long. And it very much felt like playing house. And I don't think that we ever dealt with some of the really important relationship issues and those things that you you need to survive a a marriage Mm -hmm. forever you know yeah no for sure and and nothing prepares you for marriage nothing Mm -hmm. i mean people can give you all the advice in the world but until you live with somebody yeah (laughs) you, you you really don't know what it's going to be like to live with them and it just it was never it was never a good situation for And us. you also, I want to point out, that young, you just, you don't know yourself. So it's impossible right. to, not impossible, but it's really hard to be in a relationship when you don't know who you are and you don't really truly know your values or where you stand on different things. Absolutely. And I didn't, I, I, I felt like I grew up really fast. Yeah, you know, I you had to. I I left high school and went to the teen mom school, which you know, and and he got to stay and do all of the fun school things and keeping a kid. Yeah. And I had to, you know, change schools, leave my friends. I started working full time so that I could get insurance, and I did all of this, and so I resented him so much for not doing that as well mm-hmm. and, and you had to miss out on so much and I feel like that kind that carried over for years and years because I was just I I missed a lot you know and granted I I made that choice and that was something that I was you know I was owning and I was do you know I was taking care of what I needed to take care of but I thought you know man he he's still having a good old time and I'm busting my butt working full time and going to school and trying to get our life prepared to have this baby. And I was so stressed going through this pregnancy. I got Bell's palsy. So on top of being a 17-year-old pregnant girl, half my face is paralyzed. Mm. And I am just like, (laughs) I mean, as if it's not bad enough to be a pregnant woman, but just add a couple extra factors into it. And it is just, I was miserable. You know, I was so miserable. And again, you were 17. I I had babies at 25 and 27, and I feel like I wasn't prepared. I can't imagine being a 17-year-old. And then you have the baby, and so often, and I'm sure it was this case with you, you carry the brunt of caring for the child. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing, too. You know, I, I didn't breastfeed. It was not something that came naturally to me. And so I thought, well, geez, at least I'll have help with, like, feedings at night and... You know, the first couple of months that I was that I, after I had had Carter, we I still lived with my parents. Jake and I didn't live together, and so I, I was literally on my own. My mom wasn't going to take care of the baby. I mean, obviously she was great and helped, but I was the one up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you know, Jake's over at his house having a good night's sleep. Not you know, sure. <laughs> and it was just uh, and and at the time, you know, he wanted to he wanted to live together, and just you know, my parents were like, sorry no, you know, you're you living here, he's not moving in, you know, and, and we very well could have moved out. We just weren't in that situation. But I, you know, it just, I 
was I grew up so fast, and that was really hard. Yeah. So you you guys ended up staying married for pretty long time. You had your son Gunner as well, and then yeah. how long did you end up staying married? So we stayed married. Um, it's kind of a loaded question. We separated a couple of times, um, and we separated a couple of times, and we would get back together, and things would be okay for about six weeks. Yeah, and just go back to just go back to crap. You know, we we brought out the worst in each other, and and that's unfortunate, but. Um, after the second time I left him, we got back together, and then shortly after, I got pregnant with Gunner, and I was actually on birth control when I got pregnant with Gunner. So I would never say that my kids were accidents because I love my children, but they right. neither one neither one of my first two children were planned, and it was it was very hard. Um, but we 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 stayed married until Gunner was about three years old, so it was just about six years or a little over six years, I think, that we. Um, stayed married, and I finally, I don't know what happened, honestly. It was just a switch flipped at the age of 25, mm-hmm. and and I knew that I was done. I right. was not, a, I was, you know, I was not a super religious person, but I've always been very spiritual, and I remember praying and just saying, you have to tell me what to do. And I wouldn't get that answer. I would never get the answer of what to do. And I was telling my brother one time about how I needed this answer so I could make this choice. And he said, you know, sometimes you don't get the answer until you make the choice. Hmm. And and I made that choice to leave. And both of my boys had been so sick. My oldest is a diabetic. He was he had been diagnosed at the age of three. Um, those are great cash genes that we yes. are fortunate. With a lot of type have. one diabetics in our family, <laughs> which is a whole other set it's of a whole challenges. Other podcast. Yes. <laughs> so we, you know, and and he had been um, in the emergency room the night before, and and Jake and I were actually living with his parents. So when I made that decision to leave that particular day, I, I he he could tell something was bothering me and he said, what's wrong? And I was like, I promise you don't want to have this conversation. And he just kept pushing me and pushing me like, no, tell me what's going on. You know? And so I'm like, let's do it. Let's have this conversation. And so being in the situation that we were in where I was living, you know, we were living with his parents. I couldn't like, I could kick him out. And it was late at night. My both boys were sound asleep and um, our parents lived one street away, so it wasn't like I ran away and disappeared, but I just went to my parents' house about midnight and got there, and I didn't have to say anything. My parents just knew. But I remember walking down the steps of their front porch, of of my ex-in-law's front porch that night and heading to my car, and it was just this weight was completely lifted off my shoulders, like, yep, you did it. You made that choice. And that was the choice that I wanted you to make. And so I knew, I, you know, I knew that I, it, it was not going to be easy and I was going to 
you know, be pushed to, to continue to make that marriage work, but I had to stand strong because I knew it was, I knew it wasn't what was best for me. I didn't like who I was when I was married to Jake. I didn't like the person yes. that I was. Yes. And which is huge like I, because when you don't like who you are, then you can't be the best for your kids. You can't be the best absolutely. for anybody. Yes. And Jake made a comment to me. I, I was very heavy for a while when we were married, and I, and I think it was all just stress-related and depression. And, and, and then I had lost quite a bit of weight before we got divorced, and he made a comment to me about, and I know that he, you know, I, I, I know that he would probably regret the fact that he had said this now because I feel like we've both grown up quite a bit, but he made a comment about how, he got the worst of me and somebody else was going to get the best of me. Wow. And, and I just remember being like, <sighs> So that stuck right. with you. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what, you're right. But I could never be my best self being married to him because we were, we never matured as a couple. And I don't think that we ever would have. In fact, I know we wouldn't have. And I had to grow up a lot. And I, you know, and we were divorced for quite a long time before I grew up yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of, a lot of things that I had to do to find out who I wasn't before I could find out who I was. And but, yeah. what, what did those years look like after your divorce? <laughs> oh, geez. I cried. I, I remember crying. I, you know, I, I moved out of, I, I went and lived with my parents for a, about four or five months and um, bless my dad's heart for being in this position, but he was able to help me get into a little condo that was three bedrooms and perfect for just me and the boys and close, still close enough to family. You know, I lived right around the corner from my brother Jed, and, you know, it was a completely fresh start. And that's exactly what I needed. I needed a completely fresh start. And... I really took about a good six months from the time that our divorce was finalized. So about a year after the separation, um, you know, I took, a, I, I took that time for me to kind of get adjusted into being a single mom and working full time and learning how to pay bills and learning how to, you know, be a, a taxi driver and a, you know, a full-time employee and a full-time mom by myself. You know, I just kind of took that time for myself. Um, and the weekends that the boys were with their dad were really hard. And I spent a lot of time alone and crying. And I also spent a lot of time with some good friends and just going out with girlfriends and having a fun time. Um, but I, I took a while before I actually went on a date. And I just remember like sitting in my bathroom, getting ready and like crying because I had not been on a date since I was 17. You know, I, and and it's super well, scary. It is so scary. And it's different when you go on a date and you have to talk about the fact that you have been divorced and you have kids and mm-hmm. you're only 20, like you're only 25 and have an almost eight year old. So then that comes into play that, you know, you had a kid when you were really young. And so it, it was tough. It was a really tough first year of being on my own and I feel like it just got harder <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
those insecurities that I've struggled with my entire life kind of came back into my life full force. Uh, you know, I, I left the divorce super strong and confident and nothing was going to stop me. And then I met somebody that I was very interested in and things were going great. And about a year into our relationship, um, I found out in... I, I found out that I was essentially the other woman. He had a oh, girlfriend wow. the entire time that he and I had been dating. Oh. And the smart thing to do and the strong and confident woman would have just been like, peace out, see ya. You know, you're you're no good for me. I'm out. But I was such a just, like, low confidence, not... Like, I had no value. Like, I did not value myself at all at that point in my life. And I, like, begged for him to choose me over this other girl because I wanted to be better than her. Right. And that's you know? what and that said a, to you. That said, I'm yeah. better than her. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm like, no, I, and I would, like, pick her apart. You know, I was just being so horrible. And rather than just being like, this poor girl's going through the same thing I'm going through. But I would be like, well, I'm taller and I'm younger and I, you know, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, how shallow was I? But I was, like, so desperate to be loved and, like, and he made me feel like he really loved me. And I hadn't felt that in a really long time. And so I didn't want to lose that, even though it was not a good situation. And that went on for, I mean, gosh, I don't know, another year or so. And... Finally, I just was like, enough is enough. I'm done. You know, I'm done. You're done fighting. Crap. I'm done fighting. I'm done trying to prove that I'm better than someone else. I'm done trying to prove that I am good enough for somebody that doesn't deserve me. Yeah. And I, I finally, I was like, enough is enough. And I did some real soul searching, and I was like... I'm good. I, I'm never dating again. Like, I don't even, I am confident in where I am in my life. I have a good career. I know I'm a good mom. I am happy, and I don't need a man. Like, I can, I mean, I can hang a picture on the wall if I need to. You know, like, I, I can totally I relate. Can you get comfortable with, with your routine and what you're doing, and you, yes. it, dating does bring out so many of those insecurities that sometimes it's mm-hmm. easier to almost avoid it and not feel that you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? it's like a different it's a it's a dance between wanting that attention and that love and that it makes me feel good and it makes me feel self-worth to you know sometimes it, it makes you feel like garbage and it brings out all those insecurities so yes, it's kind of a double-edged definitely. sword well, that's the thing. They always say, you know, like, love makes you do crazy things. Well, you know what makes you do even crazier things? Rejection. Yes. So it's like I, 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 was sick of, I was sick of just, like, looking so desperate, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, and here's the thing. Through all of that, I go through this, and I don't tell a single soul he had been cheating on me. Like, instead, I just keep covering for him and making excuses and you know, as to why he's never around and why why he doesn't bring his kids around me or, you know, and so it was just kind of like I was suffering silently yeah. and I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, the, enough is enough. And I started talking about it and started letting this all out and everybody's like, 
we knew that he was trash. Like, we tried to tell you, and you wouldn't listen because you don't. You don't. You, you well, want to and think I, I that think it's, it's not really happening. It's scary to throw something like that out because so often we think that that is a, re- a reflection on us when really it's a reflection on them. But when, Absolutely. and I haven't had someone cheat on me, but I would imagine it feels like, why was I not good enough? Why would you cheat on me? Yes, it does. It's embarrassing. Like, it's yes. so embarrassing because you want to think that you are, because I always feel, you know, I, I've, I always felt like I was giving my all and that I was being a good girlfriend and I was doing, you know, I always felt like I was a good person for him and to uh, to have that like slap you in the face mm-hmm. and make you question that everything you did was wrong is really really hard and it's embarrassing and you don't want to admit it i did yeah. not want to admit it i'd i'd gone through that before in past relationships and i just did not want to admit that i that anything like that would ever happen to me again and it just I mean, it was bad. It was, I did things that were just embarrassing. I mean, I remember showing up, I showed up at his house with the other girl. Like we Facebook messaged each other and like, we're plotting against him to make him choose between the two of us. And I'm like, who does that? Well, and looking back, you're probably thinking, why were we fighting over him? That wasn't worth it. (laughs) Exactly. And I seriously, and, and, Bless her little heart. Last I had heard, I think they were still together, and I, you know, good for them. I hope he's changed. You know, I hope he. What good wishes? You know, I yes. wish them nothing but the best. But I, you know, I just think, man, I wasted a lot of time on the wrong person, and you know, and when there were there was actually a, a time through our relationship that um we could you know i had kind of decided that i was going to date other people and one of our one of my friends had said hey i've got this guy that i want you to go out with and i just was like you know i'm i'm not there i'm not i i know i'm going to date other people but i don't not now i'm not ready for that and it was matt that person that he was trying to line us up line me up with was matt and which is now your husband now my husband now and i think about if matt and i would have met then uh, he would have thought i was crazy i mean he, i'm sure he still thinks i'm crazy at times because i mean i'm a little crazy <laughs> in a good way <laughs> in a good way no but I, you know i think that i just think timing is everything yeah i in no way could i have been my best self and i still didn't like who i was at that point and I, I t- it took me about, uh, you know, nine months of just not dating, you know, and, and not, finding yourself a little bit and finding myself, you know, and I, and I kind of, um, you know, every once in a while I'd talk to that, that guy that had cheated on me and kind of find myself, dra- you know, just drug back into his crap for a minute and then like stop. And I'm like, nope, stop, you know, like, and, and. And I got to a point where I'm like, you know what, this is, I like my life. I'm fine. I'm, I don't ever, I don't need to date. I'll be happy if I don't. My boys are great. They take care of me. And I had a great support system. My parents are amazing. And they acted as my other half and helped me when I needed help. And I was fine. I was totally fine. I was like, you know, 
I have a good life. I could do this forever <laughs> and, and, if I had to. I could do this forever. And and I and another thing too is um because that ex boy that ex boyfriend of mine who had treated me so badly had a kid and kind of like it was a mess, I thought if I do date I'm not gonna date anybody with kids. Because <laughs> so, it's complicated. Yeah. It is complicated and it's so complicated. Yeah. Um, so now you get into this relationship with Matt and what was different about this relationship? You know, so I still, I wasn't, we weren't even ready to be lined up when we met. We, he was working with this friend of mine. So we had a mutual friend and he was working with him at the time. And our boys, our friend, you know, my friend and, and Carter, they played baseball together and Matt and his friend had been on a job together and they just didn't have time to, to go home. And so Matt had to come to this baseball game and we met briefly and I knew that that's who our friend had tried to line us up, tried to line me up with a year before. I knew that it was him um, just based off, him telling me who this, you know, his name. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's the rest of, yeah. So then the rest of the baseball game, I'm just like eyeballing him the whole time. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, like, am I going to go out on a date with this guy? Cause I know it's going to come up. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, you know, I'm just like, and this is, this is the best part about Matt, <laughs> about Matt and I meeting. So he, um, was working as an electrician at the time and he had been like crawling around in attics and really sweaty. It was July and it was just hot. And, and him and his friend had like this bet that neither one of them would shave their beards. And so he had just like this big scruffy beard and just, I mean, he literally looked like he had just like crawled out of a hole. You know? mountain man. <laughs> he was like, yeah. And I just remember thinking he was so nice. Like, I mean, you know, he maybe could have used a shower, but he was so <laughs> nice. And just, and he actually ended up going to the game the next day. And then, so then it was like, I was even more stalkerish. Like, how many times can I walk to the snack bar or the bathroom to like, look at this to guy, check him out. You know, like, <laughs> to check him out and not be super obvious. And, uh, and about a day after that second baseball game, our friend just sent me a text and just said, so was Matt tall enough for you? Um, because I always joked about how I would never date anybody that was my height or shorter than me. Because I'm I'm five nine, so yeah. I'm not freakishly tall, but I'm taller. And um, Matt was six five, and so I'm like, yeah, he was tall. And he said, you know, he he goes, well, good. We'll have to double date. And I said, you know, just give him my number. I don't want it to be awkward. Like when we go out, I don't want it to be awkward, but I'm definitely open to it. Just plan something and we'll go, but I would at least like to talk to him before we actually go out. And so a a day goes by and, and I get a text and it's Matt and he only texted me probably about like three or four sentences, you know, like back and forth three or four times. And he finally was just like, can I call you? And I was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> like, we're not just going to text. Like, we're actually going to have a phone call. Because that's when you date nowadays, it is all over text. Like, yes. you don't have phone calls. Like, you yes. don't have actual conversations. You just text. And so I was like, yeah, call me. And we ended up talking for like, two or three hours like that first night that we talked and it just was so comfortable. And I, you know, and I remember thinking like he's going to ask me out on a date and I was so scared because I was not 
I had come to grips with the fact that I was okay. I'm fine by myself, and I was so scared of getting into a relationship and being hurt and yes, rejected. that vulnerability was, is so scary. It's so hard, and I was just terrified that that was going to be the same scenario with Matt because that's what I was used to. And, you know, he he did end up asking me out, and I... I was talking to some of my friends, and I'm just like, I'm canceling. Like, I'm not, I, I can't do this. And they're like, you have to go. Like, you have to just put yourself out there and just go. Who knows what will happen? And I am so glad that I listened because it worked out for me. Um, but I, I just remember, I'm like, I had this thought, like, let him open the door for you. Because up until then, anytime somebody would try to open my door, I was just not letting it happen because I was I didn't need anybody to do that I could do it myself and you'd never experienced that too much a guy that was just genuinely nice like that to you absolutely not and so I remember he opened the car door for me and as hard as it was for me to not just be like I've got this I was I mean kind of relieved like this is easy. This is, this is nice. And I, you know, but still I'm so like he, he met that, like I checked that off. Like he opened the door for me and then I expected to get in the car and him to say, well, what do you want to do? And, and he instead was like, do you like Italian? And so in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, like real original. Let's go to Olive Garden. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, okay, perfect, because I, you know, I had this plan, but if he didn't like Italian, I was going to go somewhere else. And so he took me to a really nice restaurant, it, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Brio. It's over yes. by Fashion Place Mall. We, went, we went to Brio. Yeah, and we just talked. I mean, it was like we had the best conversations, and we just had so much in common, and our lives were very similar with our divorces and and just the way that we were raised, and we were very compatible, and it was scary. It was really hard, but at the same time, I knew that I had to let myself try. And we hung out the next night. I think we went and got Slurpees, and then he went out of town to go to go to a friend's wedding, and I missed him. And that's when I knew. I was like, well, crap. I'm into this like, guy. I'm falling. I, I like this guy. And it is so cliche because it's so stupid. And I always hated the saying that when you know, you know, but it could not be more true than for, for Matt and I, because it literally took me, I mean, by the third day, I was just like, I called my mom and I was like, this is weird, but this just feels different. And there were still things that I battled with insecurity. Um, I was so used to getting lied to. One night I wanted to hang out, and he said, well, I'm at work, but maybe we can, you know, I can definitely do this later. We can definitely hang out later. And I thought, he's not at work. He's with another girl. (laughs) And so I legitly, Carly, this is how, like, insecure and crazy I was. And like I said, rejection makes you do crazy things. I went to his work, and I thought, I'm just going to pop in and take him a little treat and if he's there, great. If not, I've got a speech ready for him. Mm-hmm. And 
I got there, and he was really there. <laughs> I didn't surprise, know how surprise. to handle that. Like a guy that like, tells the truth. How sad was it? Yeah, it's like how sad is it that I was so used to being lied to yeah. that before Matt could even like prove to me that he was this genuine nice man, like I had him pegged as like a liar and a failure. And so at that point, I mean, that was probably a week after we'd been sp- a week or two after we'd been spending time together. And at that point, I just was like, man, like let your guard down and just go with this. Like, just let yourself be treated good. And it was really hard. You know, it was, it was very hard to just like let go of those like old habits. of just. Well, I think you get your defenses up. I know that I've had times in my life where I'm like, okay, two people can play this game. I, I in fact, prior to getting married, I was in a place where I was like, I felt like I'd had my heart broken so many times that I was like, I'm not going to take anybody seriously because (laughs) I don't want to get my heart broken. Yes, absolutely. I know. And that, and I just, I was, I, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. I kept waiting for something to happen that was so normal for me and my life with past relationships and it, it, it never did. And it was just, you know, and I, I mentioned before, I did not want to date anybody with kids and you know, during Matt and I's first conversation, I discovered that he had three kids and it didn't even phase me. I, and I had, I mean, I had honestly turned down dates because men had kids and, but just talking to him and being so comfortable communicating with another person, it did not even phase me that he had three kids at all. And, and the thought of having five kids between the two of us didn't, scare me. I mean, it scared me in a sense of, holy cow, like, that's a lot of kids. But I knew that we would make it work. I, I just knew that we could easily co-parent and, and uh, sorry, not co-parent, but I knew that we could easily blend our, our families together. And that's yeah. what we did. I mean, it, it took a while, you know, we, we, we waited a little bit to introduce our kids, but I knew, I, I knew really like in the depths of everything I have that that Matt was I mean he was my soulmate I don't know that I necessarily believe in soulmates I don't know but I mean I knew that 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 was he was my other half and there was no doubt about it he was completely my other half he was the person that I was supposed to be with and and I never I never doubted that once I, you know, once I realized I was falling for him. And it was weird because, you know, his divorce was was freshly um, final. And when you started dating, when we started dating. And so a part of me was pretty insecure in the fact that I was, you know, the first serious relationship he'd had since his divorce. And I was so worried that all of a sudden he'd be like, eh, I kind of want to go play the field, you know, but it was, he felt it as much as I did that our connection was just too strong to deny. And he probably thought it more than I did um, because we were both a little bit kind of like thrown back by just that connection and just how easy our relationship was. And the blending and, of your families, I mean, did the kids get along pretty seamlessly? Yeah, so we, um, it, the first time our kids met, my boys 
it had just been the boys and I for five years. And they became the men of the house, my oldest especially. He became the man of the house. And he really, really struggled with it. And it was weird because he didn't struggle with me dating other people, but they just weren't around the way that Matt was around. And so for all of a sudden this man to be in his life so much, he struggled. In fact, one night Matt had dropped us off. We had all been out. Matt and I and the boys had been somewhere, and Matt gave me a hug goodbye, and Carter threw a shoe at him. Mm. <laughs> like he was just like, "That's my mom." Yeah. And Carter really, Carter really struggled with it, and we laugh about it now because Carter and Matt are such great friends, and and Matt's been such a good, you know, a, a great stepdad to Carter. He has been perfect for Carter. But it's and hard on kids to see so their hard. parents date and they do become very protective. Of- very protective. So when our kids actually met, Carter was still in this defense mode like I don't want step siblings. I don't I don't want a sister. Yes. And he and he and cute little Sarah who's 6 at the time, they both were like I don't want a sister. I don't want a brother. And about an hour later, they, I think they were inseparable. They were just <laughs> best friends. And we made it, you know, we, we were able to kind of rearrange our, our custody, you know, our weekend rotations with our exes so that on weekends that he had his kids, I had my kids, and we would spend time together. Um, and so they really got to know each other before we got married so that when we did get married, it wasn't just, bam, this is your family now, and now you're all living together every other weekend. And they really built relationships for, you know, the nine months that we dated and were engaged to when we got married. Those kids really developed those relationships and learned to trust each other. And and it, it was a very easy um, it was a very easy transition. We have not had, like, we have been so blessed with how well our kids have blended. And we have never had any issues. They they will fight people if they call them step-siblings. They're their, they're their brother and sister. That's pretty and, cool. And if any, yeah, if anybody says, oh, that's your stepsister, no, that's my sister. And that's not something that we forced on the kids. I've, we've never forced the kids to call me mom or call Matt dad. And that's just something that they've, you know, as far as calling each other brother and sister, that's them completely on their own. And I truly feel like the fact that we were able to let them spend so much time together before we got married, has it really helped. It, there was never any sort of a resentment there because they it, nobody felt like anybody's space was being invaded or time to evolve. Was, and, yeah. yeah, it was really a good transition, and, and they have bonds that... I'll never understand. I never, my parents stayed married and, and I never went through a divorce as a child. You know, I, I don't know what my kids went through. I don't know how they felt, um, other than what they tell me, but I will never know what they truly went through. And all those kids have that, all those kids have that bond. And they have that bond. Yeah. Absolutely. They have that in common, you know, and, and, Having our cute little Quinn, we Matt and I have one child together who is now four years old, and they have 
they share that bond with Quinn. They all, you know, they're she's part me and she's part Matt, and just like they're part me and part Matt. And it it's really funny how she completed our little family, yeah. our big big little family. She yeah. just completed it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, <laughs> I went from never wanting to have any more kids or dating somebody with kids to now a family of six children. And you're like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> we are. I keep looking for a maid, but you got to pay them. So. <laughs> what would you say, you know, in all of this, looking at the big picture, and I, I think it's funny how so many times with stories like yours, it seems like the universe in the end comes together and... And there kind of mm-hmm. is this happily ever after ending, even though people continue to have trials. But what would you say are some of the lessons that you've learned along your journey? You know, I learned to be patient. I learned that things happen for a reason. And I truly believe that things do happen for a reason. I know that if I had not gone through the horrible relationships that I went through before meeting Matt, that I would never be able to be the person that I am today for Matt. And Matt truly brings out the best in me, and I truly bring out the best in Matt. And I feel like not that not that you can't be a complete person or not that you can't be happy by yourself, but when you find that person that you are okay to just sit in a room with and not even talk, but you're just happy, like, you know, like you have found that person and, and it will happen. You know, like it, there's no timeline on it. It it will happen. I mean, I honestly thought I'd be remarried in a year and I was single for five years and and that's fine. Those five years were great, and I learned a lot. And I'm a better person because of all that I went through. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's any like advice on how to make anything like that come quicker because you it don't want really, it to. yeah, you know, it can't. <laughs> Everyone has their own journey and their own process. And I truly believe, like you said, as cliche as it sounds, things happen for a reason. In fact, recently I heard someone say our trials don't happen to us. They happen for us. And I think that that it's so true because we just, we, we grow so much if you allow yourself to grow and become better and and stronger and have more self-worth because of, because of your journey. So thank you so much. And I think you just have to, you just have to roll with the punches, you know, and 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 nothing is going like nothing is capable of stopping you. Like you at least have to have that mentality. Like as hard as it gets, like you just you wake up the next day and you keep yeah. going and hope that day's better. Yes. Well, thank you for being the black sheep in the family with me because now we're both <laughs> absolutely the divorced black sheep in the family. But I still think yeah. you know our whole long line of love thing is true, and we have a, a great big beautiful family. And I think that um, divorce has also taught me that family can look a lot of different ways and sometimes it doesn't look like that picture perfect frame sometimes it does look like the Brady Bunch but you know it's (laughs) it's still family yes I love my Brady Bunch so and and the thing is is that our our family loves the Brady Bunch and luckily if we are going to be the black sheep they're at least going to accept us we've been very fortunate with that yes for sure 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Megan, and I love you. Yeah, thanks for letting me. Love you too. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. 